Good evening. Good evening. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to a special edition of the Business Banker Spotlight with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. So tonight, of course, um, I have a special treat for you all since we are um, coming live on a different day than what the show actually is. (laughs) So I have a very special guest this evening, but before I introduce them, of course, we have to get the formalities out of the way. So for those of you who are tuning in for the first time to JQLM radio or this particular show, and you would like to share with your family, friends and followers on how they can tune in to JQLM radio, you can let them know that they can either download the JQLM radio app, or they can listen through the TuneIn app or the Stream of Simple Radio app. Also, you can listen live straight from our Facebook page, JQLM Radio. Just click the Use App button right there. Or you can tune in directly from our website at www.egoentertainmentnet.com. Just click play on the player there or click on JQLM radio and listen live straight from that page. Also, if you miss any of your favorite shows live here on JQLM radio, you can catch any missed episodes on all of the major podcast platforms. That includes Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Deezer, CastBox, iTunes and more. Also, make sure you follow, like, and share us on social media. We do follow back. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you can follow us there um, at JQLM Radio. You can follow Ego Entertainment Network at EgoEntNet. That's E-G-O-E-N-T-N-E-T. And you can follow Business Bangers at Business Bangers on Instagram and Facebook. Now that we have that out of the way, let's introduce our guest for tonight. Our guest is none other than Nicholas Henrichson. I think I said your last name right. Yeah, good job. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for having me. Okay, thank. Well, thank you for being a guest. Um, of course. So I gave a, um, a a small prelude to a little bit about what you do um, when sharing about this interview this evening. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself um, to the listeners. Tell them who you are, what you do, and what you like to do in your spare time. Yeah, sure. Happy to happy to share. So I'm, my name is Nicholas. I'm from Germany originally, that's why I have a little accent. I'm starting to get rid of it, hopefully. But uh, I, I was born and raised in Germany, moved to the U.S. in 2011 to go to business school. Uh, I went to Stanford. And then during business school, I met my future co-founder and very good friend, Chris Coleman, who's a huge, huge car enthusiast. His, his first car was a DeLorean. I'm not sure if you know that. That's the one from Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. And so, like, he, he's obsessed with cars, and we were talking about potential businesses that we could start when all our classmates started approaching Chris with one of the same question. Everybody asked, how do I sell my used car? And mm-hmm. at first, we were giving advice, but very quickly, we found ourselves selling our classmates' cars. And once we sold a few of them, more classmates asked us for help. And all of a sudden, we helped half, if not two-thirds of the class sell their used cars. And professors and lecturers started reaching out to us. Uh, wanting to invest in this company that we were starting. We we didn't even realize that we were starting a company at the time. Mm-hmm. And so very fast forward, and we can go into more detail if you want to. Uh, we raised $10 million, uh, sold the business to Carvana in 2017. Carvana is the business with these car vending machines. Mm-hmm. Um, stayed at Carvana for three years, left the summer of this year, and started a new business in the auto finance space. Um I went over this really quickly, but I wanted to make sure that I don't I don't bore you to death. So you tell me uh, what 
where you want to dive, where you want me to dive into more. Oh, um, so um, typically, you know, I just let uh, you mm-hmm. introduce yourself in the beginning. Just tell everybody who you are and what you do and what you like to okay. do in your spare time. And then we'll go through your journey um, afterwards. So, um, so in founding this uh, used car service, uh, Carlipso, um, which I did a little bit of research, it was Carvana's number one um, competitor. Um, can you tell me, it, it looks like you all, um, when you started that company, it contained two major components that Carvana was lacking and being able to take their brand to the next level. Um, so can you yep. tell me a little bit about um, Carlipso and what those two um, important keys were um, that caused you yep. all to think about merging with them or, or selling um, Carlipso to them. Yeah, sure. So it's an interesting story because like so many startups, you start out with one conviction and then the business changes over time mm-hmm. to, to like take, take all the secrets away to begin with. So we, we started a car selling business and sold a software company. And so how did that happen? We, we, as we, as I said, we started helping our classmates sell their cars and we sold more and more cars, changed the model a little bit. Um, and we got to a volume of around 150 cars a month in a single location. That's, that's relatively big. Um, but we realized that we were somewhat capped in growth because we couldn't finance customers who didn't have perfect credit. Like banks wouldn't work with a small a dealership that hasn't been in the business for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And so we found ourselves capped. And then we started comparing notes with our competitors because we knew our competitors were able to finance customers with challenge credit or not prime credit. And what we learned was they were vertically integrated. They had all the lending in-house. They were basically a bank. Like Carvana gives the loans themselves, mm-hmm. um, which, which makes it really powerful and uh, creates a really good customer experience. And so when we realized, okay, so we're a little bit capped in our growth, we asked ourselves, what should we do? Should we try to raise more money and try to only focus on people with perfect credit? Or is there something else valuable? And that's when we noticed that we had built software that Carvana was about to build. Like they, they knew what they wanted. They were starting to build it. But uh, we had spent four years on it and we had become experts in that field. And then we quickly agreed it makes a lot of sense to just use our software that scales very nicely and apply it to all of Carvana's vehicle sales. Because in some, when we, we, like the sum is bigger than the parts. And so that's how we ended up concluding. We sell our assets. Our assets were a vehicle description service and a pricing engine to Carvana. And then we brought the whole team over to Carvana to all continue working on that mission to change the way used cars are being sold. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so... Uh, in spending this time, well, well, first let me ask this: What made you get into you and your partner get into the uh, car business in the first place? Yeah, so I've I've never been particularly like particularly excited about cars. Now that I've spent seven years in the car space, I, I dread cars. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris is a huge car enthusiast, so he he loves cars. He knew that he wanted to do something with cars in his career. He he actually wanted to work for a Formula One company. And between the first and second year of business school, he, he did work at, a, at McLaren in the UK and realized that he's really in love with the product, like the car. 
but he wasn't particularly excited about the business of building cars. It's just not a great business unless you do something completely new like Tesla. Right. And so when he had this realization, he said it, it felt like, like meeting your childhood hero. It, it felt like I was trying to be, I was trying to work for this Formula One company. And once he made it, he was like somewhat disappointed. And so that's when I told him, hey, how about we look into doing something ourselves, starting a company ourselves? I really wanted to do that. He was not looking into starting a company. Hmm. And then we were, he explained the the car industry to me, like in a nutshell, he, he just happened to really understand it very well. And also told me that his suspicion is that most of the money is currently earned at the dealership level. So the dealer makes most of the money. Mm-hmm. And therefore, he said, we should figure out how to provide a really good experience and reduce the cost so we can offer cars for less money to consumers mm-hmm. um, and yet make a good margin. And so that's how we stumbled into selling used cars online because like Amazon mm-hmm. in the past, you could buy groceries or whatever you would want to buy in, in like retail stores and everything moved online. And we felt like car, should, car sales should also be moving online. It's a, it's a big purchase, very emotional. Right. So it'll take some time. But if you look in the future, you can imagine car sales being online. And so we wanted to be the driving force behind that. Right. Yeah, I I remember the very first time that I that I rolled past a Carvana here in where I live at in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's really in Carmel, yeah, cool. um, Indiana, yeah. and I was like, "Is that a vending machine with cars in it?" <laughs> and I was yeah. thinking to myself, "What kind of stuff is this? Like, who who just walks up and you know, like, how does this process work?" And so when I started to do my research on it, um. I was like, okay, so you get approved and everything online? Like, everything is online? Like, you don't even talk to a live person or anything. And so I kind of went through it just to see what it was. And, you know, it told me what my down payment would be and all that. And so I was like, oh, okay, I see, I see. And so um, I was thinking, like, what, uh, you know, you can you have the option to either pick the car up or they deliver it to you. So I thought that was really, really cool. And then once I... um delved a little bit more deep into the two key components that they were missing. I think it was the analytics and the way they keep data um, was um, some of the things that I read about that Carlipso or that you two actually were masters in. Um, So can you um, tell me one, was it difficult for you all to sell Carlipso to Carvana and what made you want to take your expertise and stay on with them to to uh build or integrate that particular those two key components into their companies to make them flourish let's start with the second question first so we went into the space startups is startup you don't build companies in three years it takes 10 years at least to build a big company Mm -hmm. and uh, so we went into the space not to make a little bit of money quickly. We wanted to see it through, right? We wanted to change the way used cars are being sold. Mm-hmm. And when we were selling our company like that, we hadn't seen it through yet. We had made a big, big dent in how used cars are being offered for sale, but it, it hadn't become mass market quite yet. And so for us, we just wanted to see it through, number one. Number two, we had spent so much time and effort building these systems. We wanted obviously to make sure that it's being integrated properly and adding a lot of value to Carvana. Mm-hmm. And so for us, this was not, not the end of our previous experience. It was the beginning of the continuation of our previous experience. It felt mm-hmm. like I'm switching lanes and just continue the journey in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so that's exactly how it turned out. Chris, uh, he spent most of the time integrating the software into Carvana, and so you, you wouldn't see it or notice it, but it, it's deep, deep, deep in the core of Carvana and it, it enables Carvana to create these exceptional experiences. Mm-hmm. And I started the sell to Carvana business, the business of buying cars from consumers. When, when I joined you as a seller, if you wanted to sell your car, not trade against the car from Carvana, just sell, you couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't an option. And so I, I dedicated my time to that and built that. Okay. So um, so now they are able to uh, buy cars from consumers as well? Correct, yes. So when I joined, you could trade in your car. That was a little bit of a clunky experience because it, it's just a means to an end, but Corvina wasn't focused on it quite yet. And so it was my first task was make this a good experience. And after I spent a little bit of time on making trade into better experience, hmm. I noticed that people really, really wanted to sell their car to us. It was just no path. Like the website literally told you, you want to sell? We'll call you. And then we didn't have the time to call. Mm-hmm. And so I dedicated all my time to making that a better experience. When I joined Carvana, I was buying like 134 cars a month mm-hmm. from consumers. When I left, Carvana was buying more than 22,000 oh, wow. consumers. And I think Ernie said in the last earnings call, um, Carvana actually buys more cars now than they sell. Okay. And so a number of cars end up on the website, a number of other cars that don't meet Carvana standards, they sell those to dealerships, to other dealerships mm-hmm. who who fix cars up and sell them or have lower standards. Okay. So now you, you all raised $10 million to start this first company, Calypso, um, in which you sold Correct. to um, Carvana. Carvana. So... Um, Tell me what steps did you take or how did you go about being able to raise $10 million and how long did it take you? Yeah. So the way startups in Silicon Valley work is you start with a seed round. Back then, a seed round or an angel investor round was around a million dollars, maybe a million and a half. And then you explore whether or not the value proposition that you have in mind, you can actually build that company. And then once you hit what's called product market fit, like you really know that people want what you have, mm-hmm. then you go to institutional investors, venture capital investors, and tell them I'm ready for what's called the Series A financing. And so that's more or less the path we follow. When we were selling our classmates cars and we're still chatting and friendly with our professors and lecturers, it was our professors and lecturers said, hey, you should make this a company. I think used car sales is a messed up experience and could be so much better. Um, it's so little digital. Why don't you start a company? And if you want to, we'd love to invest. So the first $1.2 million we raised from professors and lecturers and then friends and a little bit of family, mm-hmm. but mostly others. And then we spent, that was in 2013 and 2015, pretty much two years later, we had, we had gained so much traction. The company had grown so much that we said, okay, we can predictably sell more cars if we have more capital. And so we raised from venture capitalists the rest of the $10 million. Um, raising money is tough because you, you're basically telling somebody, like an investor, you, you're trying to do something that nobody else has ever tried. And everybody will, like, unless what you're telling sounds crazy, people will be like, this is not going to be a big business. But if it sounds crazy, people will be like, this is not going to work. Right. And so you, you really need to find a good match as an investor who believes in in your vision, who has seen similar companies before work. And so we found a partner that was really, really great. 
um, that partner understood our business very well for two reasons. A, they understood the car space. Mm-hmm. And B, they had invested in a business called Blue Nile. Blue Nile is the business of selling diamonds online. Oh, okay. um, and so our business, like from a structure and fundamentals, was actually very similar. Big purchase, very emotional purchase, mm-hmm. but ultimately a commodity. And so they had discovered in conversations with us that there were a lot of parallels. And so they said, oh, this business can work out really well. It's worked on a different different vertical. Um, but we understand the dynamics. We understand some of the risks. Other things we need to figure out together. But they had strong convictions, shared them with us. And that's how we ended up coming to an agreement and raised less money. Awesome. Now, when you sold to Carvana, how much did you sell the company for? And what did you do with that money? I know you only stayed, you all stayed with Carvana yeah. for only a couple of years. Yeah. So we've never announced and we actually signed. We wouldn't announce how much we sold the company for. Okay. So I can't tell you exact amount. What I can tell you is that since we believe so much in the vision, we decided to not take cash at the moment, but to just swap our equity shares in our company against Carvana shares. So we weren't paid in cash at the time. Like the day after I sold the company, I wasn't a dollar richer. <laughs> I was exactly the same way off, mm-hmm. um, but I owned Carvana shares. And so fortunately, Carvana stock prices developed very, 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 very well. Mm-hmm. And so what, what used to be a decent amount became a really great amount. Okay, so you own shares of Carvana too at the moment. Correct, correct. Okay, and so um, you all decided to start a new company. Um, yep. What is that and what does it entail? Yeah, good question. So we we like we really enjoyed the experience of Carvana. I made a lot of friends, get along really well with the executive teams and the, and the founders. At some point, the company became really big though and like we're more the founder type of person. We we like to be in the weeds, build things, experiment, and figure out what's the next big business to build versus running a big department. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we decided after three years, exactly three years after we joined, to leave Carvana um, to build this new business. The new business is based on two insights that we gained while selling cars. Number one, when, when you buy a car, you usually don't shop for a loan, you shop for a car. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, you go to a dealership, fall in love with a car. And then when it comes to paying for the car, you ask the dealer for a loan. And that doesn't make any sense because you usually don't trust dealers. But once you, you, like you're set on a car, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you trust the dealership to refer a loan to you. That doesn't make a lot of sense. As a result, you're overpaying on your loan. Like the dealership has incentives to give you a loan that pays the dealership the highest referral fee mm-hmm. and not you the lowest rate. And so that's number one. People who buy a car at the dealership and finance at the dealership can actually refinance in many cases immediately and save some money. Mm-hmm. And the insight number two is different from mortgages. People just don't know you can refinance an auto loan. They just don't do it. Mm-hmm. But if you have a loan for a couple of months or years, you have you made your payments, then your credit, credit score improves a lot. And all of a sudden you qualify for a much better rate. And therefore, we said, let's, let's get into the market, help Americans save a lot of money on their auto loans by approaching people who either bought the car at the dealership, got it financed at the dealership, mm-hmm. and can save money, and or approach people who've made their payments for, say, 12, 18, 24 months and would now qualify for a lower rate. So that's the business we're, we're, we're starting now. It's called Clutch. The website is withclutch.com. You can put in the show notes if you want to. So 
people who have a car loan and feel like they're overpaying can come to us. And it's a fully digital experience for us to refinance your auto loan in, in two minutes or less. Okay. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Nicholas. Um, so stick and stay. We'll be right back. You are tuned into the Business Banger Spotlight with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. in the coop, bustin' out the roof, I got bands in the coop, touch me, I'll shoot, bow, shake a little, you get a little bag and take it to the store, get a little cash, you shake it real fast, you get a little more, I got bands in the coop, bustin' out the roof, I got bands in the coop, bustin' out the roof, I got a fly, I need a jet, I need room for my legs, I got a baby, I need some money, yeah, I need teeth for my egg, all y'all f***s in trouble, bring brass knuckles to scuffle, I heard that Cardi went pop, yeah, they go pop, pop, that's me bustin' they bubble, I'm the signing with the drip, baby mommy with the clip, walk out bodies with a bring a thotty to the whip, and she find her, she think, damn, walkin' past the mirror, woo, kill my fine, let her try me, boom, hammer time, uh, I was born to flex, Diamonds on my neck. I like boarding jets. I like more than sex. But nothing in this world that I like more than checks. Money. All I really wanna see is the money. I don't really need a D any the All I back need is the money. I got pants in the coop. Bustin' out the roof. I got pants in the coop. Touch me, I'll shoot. Bow, shake a little. You get a little bag and take it to the store. Get a little cash. You shake it real fast. You get a little more. I got pants in the coop. Bussin' out the coop, I got bands in the coop Touch me, I'll shoot Yo, Papa, you pop Yo, Papa, whoever You know who pop the most The people who shit not together You know that cardio freak All my pajamas is leather So black on your ass Wakanda forever Sweet like a honey bun, spit like a tummy gun Roll in one on one, come get your mommy some cardio Get the tip top Kiss the ring and kick rock, sis uh, Jump it down, back it up, ooh, ayy hey, Make that, make that, too, ayy hey. I like my birth like Duce He gonna eat this like soup I was born to flex, diamonds on my neck I like more than All right, and we are back. You are tuned in to the Business Banger Spotlight Show, a special edition with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, Division of Ego Entertainment Network. And so before the break, we were talking to Nicholas Henrichson, and he was sharing his journey of building the number one competitor or founding the number one competitor of Carvana, Carlipso, in which they sold that to Carvana. And continued to stay on the team with Carvana, own shares in Carvana, so that they could uh, integrate their master model with uh, keeping up with analytics and data um, for Carvana to make it what it is today. And before the break, he was sharing um, their new business venture called With Clutch, and they are in the business of helping 
individuals refinance auto loans. So that's right. With this uh, business, um, because you know everybody wants to find um, a good use vehicle or new vehicle, and um, when they go into these places, you know they have their mindset on a on a specific car, and you know once they do the paperwork, they may not um, be approved for enough money to get the car that they want, or they are approved. And they end up paying a lot of money. I know uh, I, I have been one that has gone through used um, dealerships before and where I was paying way too much money. I, I will say my very first car was through JD Byrider and it was awful. Um, <laughs> so the experience was awful. The payments were awful. It, everything was awful about it. I mean, I think I was paying three times more what the car was actually worth. I was 19, so clearly I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so no, those are those are good loans to refinance. So if anybody out there bought a car <laughs> duty by rider, come uh-huh. with clutch.com, submit your details and we'll yeah. know your payments. Yes, yes. So tell me how does refinancing actually work for those who don't know? Good. Yeah. So it, it all starts with you as a consumer, you went to the dealership bought a car, financed it with a loan. The, the loan helps you, obviously, to pay for the car. Sometimes you have to make a down payment, depending on how much you're going to be approved with mm-hmm. uh, for. And then you make payments. On a monthly, payment, payment, uh, monthly basis, you pay. Mm-hmm. And you pay over a period of usually between 60, 72, sometimes even 84 months. Mm-hmm. Um, when you make your payments six times in a row or more, something will happen to your credit score. It will improve because it demonstrates that you're paying your debt. You're good. Uh, you're a good person to give credit to. Right. And so that means your credit score improves. If you have perfect, perfect credit, if your credit score is 800 already, you already got a loan that was really attractive at like 2% or so. Uh-huh. But if you're challenged credit or not near prime, like most Americans, Mm-hmm. Um, that means if you make your payments, you will migrate from, say, 650 to 750 in credit score or from 580 to 650. Mm-hmm. And once you make these big jumps, you qualify for a different lender type. And these different lender types offer much lower rates than, for example, JD Byrider. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we come into play. We will take a look at your credit file. We do a soft pull, so we don't hit your credit. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll take a look what you're currently paying, who you have your loan with how much the car is worth. And then we talk to our partnering lenders and figure out which one is the best one to find a home for your loan. And the lender who has the best conditions and terms for you is the one who's then going to pay off your old loan. You don't have to do anything. It all happens in the background. Mm-hmm. You just need to give us consent and agree. So we pay off your loan. It doesn't cost you anything. And then going forward, you'll make your payments to the new lender. The new lender will reach out, set up auto pay or whatever you prefer. Mm-hmm. And the big difference is either your payments are going to be significantly lower mm-hmm. or you can even get cash out. So if you've made so many payments in your car that you the car is worth more than the loan, you can even get cash out at a very low rate because auto loan rates are usually much lower than credit card rates, for example. Mm-hmm. And then you have basically a little bit of cash thanks to the refinancing. And so both options are offered by us mm-hmm. and by our partners. And there's no downside to trying. So many people ask me, when is the right time to refinance? That's a really good question. Right. Because you can't generalize it. 
my recommendation is just check in on a regular basis. For example, on our website, just go enter your phone number. We'll pull up all your information from your phone number. Um, it's very easy. And then we'll take a look and we'll tell you, not yet. Wait another three months or six months and then you're ready. Or, yeah, now is a good time and we'll save you some money on the spot. Okay. So tell me what makes you your company different from other companies that refinance or from the financing departments period when people go yeah. into these used car places so if, if i asked you for a company that refinance auto loans i'm relatively sure you would be like uh actually i don't know any mm-hmm. um because most companies most banks you know mm-hmm. they get all their auto loans from the auto dealership so if you're say capital one or ally financial or chase or bank of america Mm-hmm. or you name it, there's thousands of them out there. They, when they want to give auto loans, they usually don't approach customers directly. They tell dealerships in the, in the area, hey, if, if you come across a customer who needs a loan, please send them my way. <coughs> and if you send them my way, I will, <coughs> sorry, I'll pay you a referral fee. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, the bank that pays the highest referral fee will get the loan. But you can, you can imagine it's paying for the referral fee. It's the customer. Right, right. And so that's one of the reasons why if you get a loan at the dealership, you'll overpay because you're paying for a referral fee, like profit to the dealership, just so you refer the loan to a bank. These, these same lenders, they're just not very strong and they have no interest in going after consumers because they're just relying on dealerships sending a lot of business their way. And that's where we come into play. We, we don't work with dealerships. Mm-hmm. So we, we don't give any loans to anyone through the dealership we don't pay any referral fees to the dealership to get a loan mm-hmm. and as a result we're much more independent so we can reach out to consumers directly be it through google or other platforms or even podcasts um, and then mm-hmm. consumers come to us and then we have no incentive to give you a bad loan we have the best incentive to give you the best loan and so that's how our model is so different from the existing lenders who have no interest in going straight to the consumer because they rely heavily on the dealership Awesome. So uh, tell me, who can apply for the refinancing? Do do they have to live in a certain region? In the U.S. So anybody in the U.S. can go to the website, submit phone number, give me consent. I'll pull up all your records. Again, it's, it's a soft pull, so it doesn't hurt your credit. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have a loan, there's no point because nothing will show up. Okay. But if you have a car loan, we will show you which loans you have. You'll tell us which one you want to refinance, and then we'll, based on what we our partnering institutions are offering will make you a loan offer. And you can always decide, ah, I'm not ready yet or not good enough. Or if you haven't approved your credit quite yet, the rate may not be so much better than your existing rate. So it doesn't make any sense quite yet. Mm-hmm. The website will tell you everything and there's no downside to trying every other, every month or every other month. There's no cost in your end and you can always be in the know if you try. That is amazing. So, um, well, first, I'm going to ask um, if someone wanted to start a million dollar company or, you know, a very successful company, what tip would you give to any aspiring entrepreneurs or those who are just starting out? Yeah, good question. So two tips. Your first, my first tip would be you, you can start a company or if you want to grow a really big company and want to be venture funded, you, your prime motivation can be to make money. It's just too hard. You won't last too long. There's easier ways to make money than trying to reinvent how used cars are being sold. 
that's a really big endeavor. Mm-hmm. So your, your main motivation as an entrepreneur and founder needs to be bigger than just money. In our case, we wanted to change how used cars are being sold to help consumers. And now in the new business, we want to refinance auto loans and help consumers save hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on their used car loans. And if we succeed, obviously there's a cut for us in there, but I'm not worried about that because number one, number one goal needs to be to provide a lot of value mm-hmm. and then you'll be compensated for that adequately later on. Right. Tip number one. Tip number two is you just need to get going. Like very often I talk to founders who tell me their ideas and they may be great, but they just spend so much, so much time thinking about it that they almost talk themselves out of doing it. Hmm. Like nothing is easy and, and the bigger your ambition, the harder the actual task becomes. Mm-hmm. And if you think about hard things, you'll find so many reasons why it wouldn't work that you're paralyzed. Most founders don't even start. And so the most important thing is to actually get started, make a step forward, talk to customers, figure out whether or not what you're trying to do has any value, whether anybody's willing to pay you for it. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, then you learn so much that your idea develops and evolves. And so all the things that you think are impossible before you even get started, all of a sudden you find solutions to them. Does that make sense? Yes, very much so. And if someone has a, a an idea or a business that they have already started and they are being approached with selling or think that they would like to pitch with someone, how would they know the the right time to do so? Yeah, so... I think there's two multiple different answers actually. If if you're early in the life of your company, you're growing fast, but you're not profitable yet, then naturally you will ca- need cash at some point. And so you need to approach investors to believe in your mission and invest. If if you're that person, then and you don't know who to raise from, ha- happy to have a conversation. If you want to put my LinkedIn contact in in your yes. show notes, I can. I can, I'd be more than happy to have a few conversations with your listeners mm-hmm. and tell them who I raised money from, put them in touch with the right investors for the right type of businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the people who are investing their time in a growing business and are not profitable yet. Okay. Then you have a different group. These people might have profitable businesses and just want to get out or they want to get something out. Like they, they want to get some money out and then cash out a little bit and then keep another share of the company and so that's more of a private equity game so that's where you have institutional investors that invest in companies that are already profitable mm-hmm. take a stake and then participate um and then the last section or last type of investors are these guys who who have a business that works but have like really big ambition on how to take something that that was offline for example put it online mm-hmm. this is a little bit carvana story if, if, if you look deep in the roots because Carvana was started out of the parent business, DriveTime. Um, and so DriveTime had these, these ambitions to innovate and put, put things online, put car sales online. And Ernie, mm-hmm. the, the son of the DriveTime owner and the CEO and mm-hmm. founder of Carvana, was really excited about the idea of building Amazon for used cars. So what, what Ernie did was he took some money from or some budget from, from the parent company to explore whether or not that would work. And then once he had conviction, this can become really big. He started raising external funding for the growing business. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, that's interesting. Um, I used to have a car through drive time. And it was the very first time I had walked into a dealership and had a, an extremely positive experience. 
And um, they were the first dealership that sat down with me and only wanted to put me in a vehicle that fit within my budget. I mean, they looked at everything, your lights, your, your, your rent, everything, <laughs> any bills that you had. And so I thought that was super like, it was weird, but it was good weird because most car dealerships do not do that, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I had a really positive experience when I went to drive time. I really did like, like it. I liked the vehicle that I was in um, and everything. So I, I thought that was amazing. It's really interesting. That's funny. <laughs> funny coincidence. Now, I'm glad you had a good experience. Must <laughs> yeah. Be in the, must be in the genes of uh, Ernie Garcia Sr. and Ernie Garcia Jr., two <laughs> owners and, and operators of these businesses. Yes, yes. So can you tell everyone how they can contact you if they are looking to refinance or want to keep checking every month to see if it's a good <laughs> yeah. idea and and um, if or if they just want to reach out to you about um, you helping them get in contact with the right type of investors? Yeah, would love to help. Um, I'll send you my details so you can put them in the show notes. Ideally, to reach me uh, would be LinkedIn. Just find me on LinkedIn, Nicholas Hendrickson. Um, send me a message or connect. I'll connect back immediately and an answer. And I'm looking forward to having conversations. And then if you're interested in exploring whether or not you can save thousands of dollars on your car, go to withclutch.com, enter your phone number, and after three clicks, you get a firm offer. Awesome. That is amazing. Um, <clears throat> so in closing, I want to ask, what would you say has been your greatest success thus far, if you could choose just one thing and why? My greatest success? I, I always tell people I'd rather be lucky than smart. <laughs> and I think that's been, that's been going really well for myself. Um, but if, if I had to pick one thing that I'm either good at or that I feel like I succeeded in is... Um, I, I really don't like the word no. Like, I don't take no as an answer, and I don't mean it in an arrogant way. I mean it in, if somebody says no, it just means, like, that specific way of doing one thing doesn't work. But mm -hmm. if you ask multiple times different angles, you can very easily and often turn a no into a yes. And I think that's the most important skill as an entrepreneur, because what, what you're trying to do has never been done before and looks impossible at first. Mm -hmm. And if you accept no as an answer, you'll just never get going. You just can't accept no as an answer. Otherwise, you'll never reinvent the, the world. And so I think if you ask my friends, they would agree with you. I, I just don't take no as an answer. But I'll always try to find different ways to solve a problem until I, I come to the outcome that I want to get to. Or I have insights that let me a different, lead me to a different direction to still be impactful. Awesome. I love that. I love that answer. And last but not least, if you could okay. choose one thing, what would you say has been your greatest challenge to overcome and how did you do that? My greatest challenge to overcome? When when we were selling the company, I think I said that earlier, we were debating on whether or not we wanted to continue growing the business or whether we wanted to merge and sell it to Carvana. And so there's obviously always the, the hope and the dream of building a very big company and then going public and ringing the bell at the, the stock exchange. Mm -hmm. When you sell your company, you basically end that dream prematurely or early. Mm -hmm. And so had I had a good plan B, we probably wouldn't have sold our company at the time. Um, I just had to be really intellectually honest to myself and to my co-founder. Mm -hmm. And we had to ask ourselves, we just take money in order to grow the company a little bit, but never actually get to where we want to get to. 
Um, and if the answer is yes, we'll raise money, but we don't get to where we need to get to, then we need to admit to ourselves, maybe we should stop what we're doing right now and merge the efforts with a different company. And at the time, that felt a little bit like a failure. It was, with a hindsight, like a really great decision. Mm-hmm. Worked out fantastically. I feel like we, we, we did our part to change the way used cars are being sold. Right. But at the time, it felt like a failure because the dream was the, the public offering and going public. And the outcome was a financially very good outcome and a lot of impact. But uh, we're still hungry, as you can see. We're starting another company, um, mm-hmm. and we hope that the second time we get further. Awesome. Awesome. I absolutely love it. I mean, I think it's important, especially as an entrepreneur, to not be afraid to go back to the drawing board. Um, that's exactly. something that I had to learn along the way, that it's okay to start over. Yeah. You know, um, and if something's not working, you know, the whole point is for you to go back you know, and tweak whatever needs to be tweaked or change whatever needs to be changed, take away, add whatever the case may be so that you can succeed in reaching, you know what I'm saying, your goal or make making your dream become a reality. So um, exactly. I know it's very difficult when you have to let go of like, your baby, you know, something that you, (laughs) that you really poured into. So I can imagine like, Oh my God, like we have this, 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 you know, piece of, um, information in this, in this business, you know, that is a game changer, you know? So do we hold on to it or do we give it to somebody else? (laughs) You know? So I know that is very difficult, was very difficult. You know, I can imagine, um, that process, but, um, I'm so glad that it worked out for you all. And I mean, it's giving you the ability to, um, not just go further in building, um, onto the, the cart, you know, buying experience in a different, format now that you've mastered one aspect of it, but it also gives you some insight into helping other entrepreneurs and how to, you know what I'm saying, build a successful business and even being able to reach that level where they are able to, you know, um, look into different types of investment or grow their business or even have something that can be a game changer, you know, to help another company that's already in, in play. Um, so I think that that is, that is, um, awesome. And the fact that you all took shares instead of getting cash right up front. I mean, now that was super smart. So (laughs) I have to commend (laughs) you on that. (laughs) I told told you better lucky than smart. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So, uh, Nicholas, I want to thank you so much for being my guest tonight. I mean, I loved this. You did an amazing job. Um, I would love to have you back on anytime, of course. Um, and so one last time, can you please plug the website um, for people to go and um, take advantage of your service? Sure. The website is withclutch.com. Withclutch.com. All right. That's W-I-T-H, right? Yep. W-I-T-H-C-L-U-T-C-H.com for all of our listeners. Um, when For those of you who missed this show live, it will go up, of course, on all the major podcast platforms, and that information will be there in the links. All right. Um, so if you don't have anything else for our listeners. I, I don't think I do. I'm, I'm grateful you'd invite me and then and appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit about my journey and yeah, as I said, if anybody wants to reach out to me, get in touch, get some advice, give me feedback, feedback is a gift, um, just reach out to me and I look forward to connecting. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to this special edition, um, actually with a, a little 
entrepreneurship uh, celebrity, Nicholas Henrichson. So thank you so much, you all, for tuning in. And remember, Business Bangers, stay ready. This is your girl, Lady J, signing out. You are tuned into the Business Banger Spotlight show right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. Catch me next Monday for our regular show at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time.